number 12 is in. Cover one, the NFL Draft Podcast is back for episode 57. I am Russell Brown, and alongside me, as always, Brad Kelly. We've got an action-packed, filled episode with interviews regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Minnesota Vikings. We'll have Zach Goodall joining us to talk the Jaguars and Miles Gorham to talk the Minnesota Vikings. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Cover One, the brand new app. You need to go to your app store on your iPhone device, your smartphone device, or Google Play, whatever it is that you have, you search Cover One, and it's simple. All you do is click download, and then all the fresh new content is right there at the palm of your hands. You get scouting reports, film analysis, mock drafts, and everything else, including the podcast, all right there at your fingertips. All you have to do, go to your App Store, Google Play, search Cover One, and download it today, and stay up to date with everything Cover One. And joining us now, Zach Goodell. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, really appreciate you guys bringing me on. Yeah, no, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we've got you out of Talk Jaguars because you are the manager, the host of Locked On Jaguars, also a contributor at Big Cat Country. Um, so you've got you know pretty much everything Jaguars related. You, you're, you're the guy for it. So always good content. Make sure you follow <laughs> Zach on Twitter. We want to talk with you regarding the 29th overall pick in 61 and, and really the Jaguars as a whole, some of their needs and, and everything else. Um, very talented defense. I do want to start, though, with kind of the center position, interior offensive line. I know you guys signed Andrew Norwell, um, but what are your thoughts as far as Brandon Linder and A.J. Cannon? Is there any potential replacements for them, um, or are they pretty much kind of your starting center and right guard? Uh, Linder will be locked in for a while. They're really happy with how he's turned out, despite having a couple of injury issues in the past. Some of them have been nagging. It's something that people worry about, but when he's on the field, he's relatively dominant from what we've been able to pick up. Uh, I think he had like one of the better grades in terms of centers from PFF. I don't know. I don't keep up with their grades as much as the pressure stats and all the really in-depth stuff. Um, AJ can, I'd say is probably the weakest link on the offensive line. The idea is that <laughs> despite whether people agree with it or not, and I'm not necessarily the greatest proponent of it, but they do want to run the ball so much to where Blake Bortles will throw the ball a couple of times a game back. Um, in which case I do think they're going to try and replace can at right guard, or at least get someone in there to compete with him. Uh, I think that'll be be before day two is over. They'll have a new right guard in house to compete, whether that be a guy that they like out of um, Oregon, Tyrell Crosby, who's currently he's played left tackle and right tackle, but I think they like the idea of him short term at guard or, you know, if Will Hernandez dropped to 29, I don't know how you can't take him at that (laughs) point. Um, I do think they'll look there uh, along the interior. Uh, then really, when you're looking at that, you've got Cam Robinson going into his second year with Norwell, you know, the new face of the offensive line that everyone's, everyone was dreaming about Norwell around here because we all knew the interior was going to be an issue going forward if they wanted to be able to open up the middle of the line and be able to get Fournette to be effective in the tackle box. They needed to get some just interior help as much as they could, and everyone kind of dreamed of Norwell thinking, oh, he'd be – you know, that'd be fantastic. They kind of settled on the idea of it being Justin Pugh with the Doug Marone, the Tom Coughlin connections. Everyone just kind of assumed that'd be the natural go. Then it's like three in the morning and we're all getting ESPN notifications and holy hell, like Andrew Norwell is going to be a Jag. This is great. <laughs> so they've got the left side short up. Um, they've got Linder then at center. Um, I'd assume there will be a new right guard in house, um, whether it be at 29 or 61. And then 
Jeremy Parnell, he had a much better year last year than he did the year before. He had some injuries in 2016 that kind of hampered his play. I think he's still kind of short-term at this point. I think he's almost 32, so they might also draft a developmental tackle at some point. But I think the offensive line will still be something that they're going into the draft thinking they need to still continue to upgrade. Looking at other positions on the offense, they used a high pick on Leonard Fournette last year. Uh, but this past season – they lost, or this past this, this off season, they lost Allen Robinson, who who they did not have during, during most of the season because of injury. They lost Allen Hearns, but they did pick up Dante Moncrief. Is why does that push the need for wide receiver up, uh, in your opinion, in this draft? And and who are some guys that they can look at uh, throughout the first two days at the wide receiver position? I'm really curious to see how they handle wide receiver at this point because if this whole run first philosophy and run second third and pretty much all you can if that's what they want to hold true to I don't know if they'll prioritize wide receiver and you look at that depth chart and you see you know Keelan Cole who despite playing like a set at points last year like he is what he is he was an undrafted guy you're still developing him you're still trying to work on his route tree because I was at training camp and I remember watching him run routes and the only thing he could run at the point was a nine so he wasn't able to provide much else but he grew throughout his year um D.D. Westbrook he missed the first eight games of the year, but they're going him into kind of a possession role, kind of, I think, what they envisioned with Alan Hearns. Um, and then they let him go because of the cap hit. They figured they've got a young guy in DD who's a lot quicker. They can try and work him into that role. Moncrief was kind of a flyer at a somewhat expensive price tag, but on a one-year type of proven deal. I think he's going to be the closest thing to Alan Robinson that they want in terms of the ability to kind of play a 50-50 ball because they really don't want to have Blake throwing those 50-50 balls. They want him to throw safe balls, move the ball, kind of West Coast type of style offense whenever they are throwing the ball. But I guess that was what they figured the closest thing to Allen would be. Why you don't just pay Allen Robinson a couple more million dollars at that point, I don't really know. But (laughs) this is what they're doing, so I'm just going to, I guess, try and buy into it as much as I can. But I'm hopeful that Moncrief, if he can stay healthy, his injuries in the past, there have been – several of them but what's nice is that they don't all seem to be nagging they all seem to be different things so if he's just soft then we're we signed a soft player and we got to see where we can go but hopefully he can be healthy and contribute and Marquise Lee is going to be used on a lot of shallow routes so they've got they've got a decent plan for all these guys but really I think the idea is to have a bunch of possession guys that aren't too expensive compared to the rest of the wide receiver market try not to spend too high on a receiver but if they were to go after someone you've seen the links of DJ Moore because he was recruited at Maryland by now Jaguars receiver coach former Jaguars great receiver Keenan McCardell Um, the Cortland Sutton you know a guy like him or even if it's a tight end that can play kind of like Cortland Sutton be such a competitive athlete going up and making these acrobatic catches and you can just rely on him coming down with the ball more so than not. I think that'd be a great fit guys, guys that are as dynamic as Sutton or, you know, polished kind of like DJ Moore. Like I, I, I like the fits of those guys. I'm just really curious as to whether or not the team values the position enough to go early on one. You mentioned, you know, dumping the ball down, getting the ball out of Bortles' hands quickly. Um, obviously, they signed Austin Severian Jenkins. They bring in Niles Paul. Um, do you think going after a, a tight end is, is something that they do in this draft? I mean, Paul and, and Severian Jenkins, guys that sometimes just throughout their career can't stay on the field, have dealt with injuries. So do you think there's a tight end later in this draft that they might target? I do think so. I actually think that's a potential pick earlier on. I know they've had Hayden Hurston a couple times, local guy. His dad is the, um, I think he's the dean at the same high school that Tim Tebow played at in Jacksonville. 
So he's a local guy. He graduated from Bowles High School around here, big football school. Um, I know that I, I've talked to a couple of people that kind of track visits with teams and where they're going. And a guy that I talked to told me that the Jags pretty much could have rented an apartment at Penn State. That's how much they were there to see Mike Jusecki. And with it being such a run-heavy wow. offense, you'd figure that it would it would be a, a, they'd look for a tight end that could block a little bit better than a guy who really has no idea how to block. <laughs> but that, that might be a way that that might be a way that they could feel feel they could um, you know replace Allen Robinson's skill set as like a big-time playmaker, and at the same time fill him in to replace Allen Hurst in terms of where they're lining him up. And I'm thinking kind of a big slot position if they go uh, Jacecki. That's something I feel like could be in play at 29 if they decide that the value isn't there for an offensive lineman. They might want to wait until 61. Um, otherwise, a guy like Hurst, um, I don't know if they've had Goder in at all for visits, but I think they will draft a tight end. Like you said, Niles Paul and ASJ have both had some injuries, and ASJ had previous off-the-field concerns, which I'd like to think a thing of the past, and he seems like kind of a changed man, but he's on a – short term not too expensive deal so they might try and develop a tight end as well I think that's certainly a possibility uh, switching gears to the defensive <laughs> side of the ball um you know the the Jaguars defense obviously made huge strides in this past season uh especially in in, in the front seven just full of talent you, you look at the defensive line and they go like six or seven bodies you know of of talent deep they have speed at linebacker with Miles Jack and Telvin Smith uh, but they did. Paul Puzlesny did retire. Retired, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, could they be looking at a uh, you know a replacement middle linebacker, kind of like a an old school uh, stuff the run type of player to go along with the speed that they have in their in their younger linebackers? And looking at the secondary, uh, could they be looking at maybe like a depth corner or, or maybe a uh, a slot specialist uh, when they have Bouye and Ramsey on the outside? I'm really curious about that because I, from what I'm thinking is that they're going to try and move Jack to the full-time middle linebacker role, which when he was playing that in nickel situations, he looked pretty good last year. So I'd like to see him grow as the full-time middle linebacker. But if they do that and then they go linebacker high, which I think could be type of a sleeper pick, you know, last year they ran, I think, 70% nickel package, 30% base with an under-Sam linebacker kind of setting the edge against the run, not having too valuable of a role. But I feel like the opportunity for them, because they lost Aaron Colvin, a guy they really, really trusted to fill down that nickel spot, and they re they replaced him with DJ Hayden, and I'm not too optimistic about that, nor his contract, but that's besides the point. Um, I think the um, idea of maybe trying to increase the role of that Sam linebacker in their scheme could be an op um, something they might look to do late day two, early day three. I think a solid fit for it would be a guy like Shaquem Griffin. And like, I would just, I'm a UCF fan. I would love nothing more than to see him here, but um I feel like that could be a like because they still wouldn't be giving him more than maybe 50% of the snaps. He'd be getting in on a lot of base downs, being able to play against the run, penetrate the backfield because that's what they tried to get out of their Sam linebacker whenever he was on the field. And in terms of the secondary, I do think that I mean, you look at Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boy, and you think, wow, there's there's no weakness there in that cornerback tandem. But you look behind them, and it's like kind of an abyss, just of absolutely nothing. So if one of them were to go down. I do think they need a guy that can develop into a solid, like plug him in if someone gets hurt or just, you know, split reps a little bit. If these guys are getting tired, like don't play him the whole game, get some fresh legs in there. Um, like I said, I'm not too big of a fan of DJ Hayden. I view guys in the third round kind of like MJ Stewart, Duke Dawson as 
solid fits into this cover three scheme. They run a majority cover three where they've got the nickel playing the flats and coming up against the run a little bit if they're trying to if they're playing nickel on base downs. Um, in which case, I think Dawson's a relatively good fit because he can play the run. He's physical. He's not the greatest in coverage, but he can be sticky. He can play the ball. Um, I would have rather than just say, hey, we're dedicating second or third round pick to a nickel corner that we can fill in relatively easily and really cheap compared to what they're paying Hayden. But I think that the opportunity to go after a developmental nickel corner is still there because I do think they have an out in Hayden's contract after the first year. So we'll just kind of see how that plays along. But I do think both positions, linebacker and corner, will be addressed. I'm just really curious as to where. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, getting a corner is definitely something that they need to do. Uh, Linebacker is an interesting fit as well. Like you said, though, where do they take it? it it's going to be interesting. I want to shift the focus back over to the offense. And, and this is really my last question. Um, as far as quarterback goes, they've got Blake Bortles, they've got Cody Kessler. Do they add a quarterback to the room in this draft? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, <laughs> Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler is my QB room. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> See, um, I do think with the whole run first and second and all the time philosophy that they can make it work as long as they really do rebuild this interior. In which case, if you're keeping the ball out of Blake's hands, like that's great. Um, if I'm an NFL GM and I'm realizing that I need to run the ball on like 60 plus percent of plays in this passing league that we're in right now, I'm trying to upgrade my quarterback. I would have done it last year with Watson over Fournette, even though I do think Fournette's got the ability to be a really great running back. I, the quarterback lifts the offense. I would have taken Watson in a heartbeat. If I were them, I would have seriously considered looking into Kirk Cousins or maybe trying to package some picks together and trade up for a guy like a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Rosen or something like that. But I'm no GM. Um, sitting here with Blake Bortles as my QB. So I, I do know that they met with Mason Rudolph at the Senior Bowl and Combine. I think they sent him out to their scouts out to like four of his games, and the interest is there. I think it's because he's a Parcells type of quarterback. He checks off all those boxes like senior played in one thirty games. I, mm -hmm. I don't have it all down by heart, but um, even though like, you know, he's not the highly coveted quarterback of this class. Like he does have the weak arm. He's not hitting all those outside routes, but I do think he's a fit in what they're trying to do with running the ball so much, even if that's just what they want to do, regardless of Blake being the QB you know, make simple throws across the middle and being able to stay poised in the pocket and not try and panic too much is something that they want out of a guy. So I see the fit there. I don't think, I don't think he's in play at 29 whatsoever. If Rudolph's there in the middle of the second, I could see them trading up maybe to have their developmental backup because Bortles is technically on a short-term deal. I think they have an out after two years. If not, you start looking day three at, you know, the <laughs> tiers and tiers below <laughs> the consensus, like seemingly top four or five QBs here, but like, you know, the Chase Littons, the Mike Whites, the Kyle Lalletta, if he somehow fell past the second round, which I have no clue if that'll happen or not, or late round guys like the Logan Wood side to the draft. I do think they'll look into, and maybe it'll just be a camp body at that point. I'm not sure. Cause I don't know exactly how much they'll value Kessler being a 2019 conditional seventh round pick I doubt the values there too much to where a guy could beat him out I just don't think it'll happen too early unless a guy like Mason that they really like and checks off their boxes falls into their laps or something like that yeah so that that's that pretty much covered exactly what I was going to ask um 
as, as far as like the late round quarterback potential developmental prospect goes. Um, so just give us a prediction. Who do you think that they take at pick 29? It's still <laughs> – I'll tell you, being a Jag fan, I'm not used to this. Um, I'm used to a top five pick. You've got your three or four guys there that you're like confident that's going to be the guy. So I'm not used to the idea of saying, Oh, what if he's available at our pick? Then we got to take him. It's it's totally different. I think if it's a guy like Will Hernandez, you absolutely have to pull the trigger. Um, I'd be willing to say if either he or Jacecki are there, that they would end up being the picks with maybe linebacker being a sleeper pick at that point. And um, whatever they go out of tight end and offensive line at 29, I'll think they'll do whatever they didn't go at 29 at 61. So say they take Jacecki at 29, I could see like Frank Ragnow at 61. Or if they go Hernandez at 29, maybe Hayden Hurst at 61 if he's there. Awesome. Excellent insight from Zach Goodell. Zach, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Um, and you can be sure to check out the Locked On Jaguars page at Locked On Jaguars. We got a lot of really good stuff going over on at the website. We've got a prospect fit series that we're trying to pump out. Just get everyone in tune with who seems to be linked to the team and how exactly they would fit immediately as a rookie. So be sure to check that out. No doubt about it. Be sure to check it out, guys. Great stuff always. Appreciate you joining us, Zach. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Appreciate you joining us, Zach. And guys, Cover One, the podcast is brought to you by First Down Playbook. First Down Playbook is the number one playbook resource for football coaches with over 30,000 plays. First Down Playbook is a database of youth, high school, and flag football plays color-coded with coaching points for every position on every play. Check it out today at firstdownplaybook.com. That's First Down Playbook, one place, all the football. Joining us now, Miles Gorham, a contributor to ClimbingThePocket.com, a very good, insightful Vikings analyst. Miles, how we doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We got you on. We want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, where they pick at 30th overall. Obviously, um, things have kind of changed from when they were in the NFC title game till now, you know, you don't have uh, the, the quarterbacks that you had um, as far as, you know, no more Case Keenum, no more Sam Bradford, no more Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but things are really looking up for you guys because your defense is fantastic. So much skill there. And that's where I want to start with you guys um, regarding kind of the defensive line. You know, you've got uh, Daniel Hunter, Linville Joseph, and now Sheldon Richardson. What, what are your thoughts on the Richardson signing? Yeah, I think that one was definitely one of those those signings that, you know, we knew that they were going to make a move for a quarterback, you know, didn't, you had, you know, we kind of had the idea a week or two beforehand that it was probably going to be, or a good chance it was going to be Kirk Cousins. So you knew they were going to, they were going to commit some, you know, pretty big money there, but I didn't expect them to make a, I guess, another splash signing, I guess you could say, on the, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think we were like a lot of the, you know, guys that climb in the pocket and other Vikings fans we were kind of looking at, you know, what are other options the Vikings could go for D tackle because we didn't think, um, you know, a guy like Sheldon Richardson would be, you know, be available for, you know, for the team based off the, the cap and everything like that. But um, he's, that was probably the most underrated move, I think, in all the NFL, in my opinion, just in terms of um, it went under the radar. Um, it's a one-year deal, but it's the impact he's going to have is um, that's the one, it's the one, it's the one position where I think it's really going to, you know, bring everything together. Cause you saw the, the defensive line wear down toward the end of the season. Um, you had a couple of guys that are kind of playing more, more snaps than they, 
you know, they really uh, should have been in Tom Johnson and uh, Shamar Stefan down the, down the stretch there. So um, it was a really good signing because it's, it's really going to help a guy like Linval Joseph, which mm-hmm. I mean, he's already an all pro caliber type of player, um, you know, pro bowl level, you know, pro bowl level player and one of the better guys at his position. So getting it, getting a guy like Sheldon Richardson to play next to him where you can really, uh, you know, you have to pick your poison. You do you double team Sheldon or you, you double team Linval and, um, you know, good luck because <laughs> whoever you double team, you, you have to let the other guy go and our guy one-on-one. And I think that's going to be really tough for um, some teams because uh, both guys can wreak havoc, especially um, on third downs. I think being, being able to have Sheldon Richardson play all three downs is really key. Cause like I said before, I didn't really have an every down uh, three tech um, yeah. for the Vikings last season. Well, and he's going to play alongside Everson Griffin, which is you know just as dominant as it gets as far as edge rusher. He's he's I think even though he puts up incredible stats, I still think he's one of the most underrated edge rushers in the league. So I mean, your guys' defensive line is is looking phenomenal, and really your your whole again your whole defense. There's so much talent there. Um, I think maybe the the guy that sticks out the most as far as what can he bring to the table is Ben Gideon out of Michigan, um, a guy that you know I'm familiar with from watching him in college. Where do you think he kind of goes into year two? Yeah, I'd be. I'm. I'm really curious about that too. I just think it's really hard for him to kind of find a role, just because of, you know, the two linebackers that the Vikings already have with uh, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. Those guys don't really leave the field. And and in today's NFL, you playing you know playing against teams like the Detroit Lions and and teams that spread it out like the you know the Packers and um, I'm I'm assuming the Bears will do a little bit more of that this season. So you have you know you play against teams that spread it out. So you're you're not really playing in base defense as often as you were, you know, five, even five years ago. So um, Ben Gideon kind of played, I think might've been not even 30 snaps a game or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 30% of the snaps all season in terms of, you know, per game basis. So I think the hard part for him is just finding that, finding that uh, opportunity to get more snaps. But when he played, he played pretty well. Um, he was obviously um, a big upgrade, which is crazy to kind of think about. He's a big upgrade to what Chad Greenway was just two years ago, just because Chad Greenway was on the tail end of his career. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really run with tight ends or anything like that. So um, I really think Ben Gideon could kind of continue to develop and continue to um, merge into a role where he's a really good special teams player. Um, but he's also that third linebacker and he could fill in at, at the Mike Mike spot if you needed him to, if you know, a guy like Eric Kendricks got hurt. He's, he's uh, tested extremely well um, at the combine. So um, I think Gideon and his read and reaction, he's really good, you know, filling gaps and filling the run. So um, he does a really good job in in those sense, in that sense. So I think he could, you know, fill in in the at the mic spot in a pinch if you really need him to. Do you think? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just say, do you think they potentially target a linebacker with the thirtieth overall pick at all? Uh, maybe, maybe a guy like you know uh, Leighton Vander Esch or Rashawn Evans is available. Obviously, those are two very talented players, and I, I mean personally, I don't think either one will be there. But do you think if if they're there, they take a look at one of them because it seems like every year a really nice, solid defensive player falls right into their lap, and they just <laughs> they just take them and they they thrive with it. So, I mean, if one of them are there, would you be surprised? Yeah, that's, you know, that's Zim's MO. He, he wants to have as much defensive talent as he can, but I, I think, it, I don't think it would surprise me just because both Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr are um, free agents after this season. Mm-hmm. And you have to go with uh, Daniel Hunter and Stefan Diggs. You know, those two guys are free agents after the season too. So um, depending on what, how they feel in, in terms of re-signing and extending some of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they added a linebacker at 30. Um, do I think that's the route they should go? No, but um, if, like you said, a guy like Rashawn Evans for me, I think if he fell there, it'd be really hard to pass up just because 
Um, he, he's a phenomenal linebacker, and I think he'd be – he's one of those guys that can come in and play right away, which I think would be, hard, would be really hard for this defense just because you already have three really um, solid <laughs> linebackers in place. So it would be really hard for a guy like, you know, a first-round pick like that to see the field early, but definitely be one of those guys that they, they'd be the successor to uh, – you know, Versan Evans would be a, a successor to uh, Eric Hendricks in year two and stuff like that. And um, Leighton Vanderesh, um, I'm not the biggest fan of. I think he's athletic and I think he's a good player. Um, but I don't know if he has some of that uh, aggressiveness that I think Zim likes in his linebackers. So, um, but I, I think he's a good player. I just don't know if he'd fit exactly kind of what Zim likes in a linebacker. But like I said before, if you know one of those guys was there, it would not surprise me if um, that was a potential target. As far as the Vikings roster goes, in my opinion, it's it's one of the top rosters in the NFL from top to bottom. And part of that is, like you mentioned, uh, you know, four or five major players still being on their on their rookie contracts. Uh, so as as the years pass and they have to sign those guys to longer term deals, I feel like these this draft and probably next year's draft, kind of finding their replacement is going to be and filling holes is going to be big to keeping them as as contenders throughout Kirk Cousins' contract. Uh, so as far as their, their draft goes this year, they have picks 30, 62, 94, their own picks in the first three rounds. What do you think is their most pressing need? Are they going to look at an interior offensive lineman at some point? And who are some guys on the interior offensive line that, that you yeah, think would so I think, um, that they should target? Like you, you touched on, Brad, I think the interior offensive line probably is their biggest, the biggest need. They, have, they brought back Nick Easton, who was in left guard last season. Um, it was his first season as a guard. Um, he was, you know, primarily a backup, uh, centered swing, swing backup guard, you know, before that. And he played pretty decent. He didn't grade all that well in PFS grades, but, um, in the, in the screen and run in the, you know, uh, screen game, especially in getting out in open space, he was really good. And I think they lost that when he got hurt in the playoffs or, or right before the playoffs, he got hurt and they lost a lot of that. So they, um, they brought him back and I think he's a, a solid option at left guard and wouldn't surprise me if he was the starter this season. Um, so their biggest need would be on the right side, right guard, um, I think, because they lost Joe Berger, who just retired. Um, they've talked about moving um, the right tackle, Mike Remmers, into right guard. Um, but based off of kind of the moves they've made in, in free agency, they really, you know, they added Tom Compton. Um, and they brought in Josh Andrews from the, the Eagles. He's on the Eagles practice squad. So they, they brought in a couple, you know, lower-level guys who are depth pieces. But they didn't really bring anybody to kind of fortify the, the right side of the line and um, based off the way the draft is, I don't see any of these offensive tackles coming in and starting at right tackle right away, unless a Mike McGlinchley or a um, Connor Williams fell fell to thirty. But I just I don't see that happening. So um, I I think they're going to go interior um, O line. And I think if they were to pick a guy at thirty, um, you have a, you have a few options. I think a guy like James James Daniels from Iowa would be a perfect fit. Um, he's six three, you know, three oh six, and I think he's just He's one of those guys like what um, for the offensive coordinator likes to run, um, John DeFilippo, uh, they like to get those guys out in space and they want guys who are athletic. And I think James Daniels is one of those guys who could be really good in that, in that scheme. Um, you talk about a guy like Isaiah Wynn. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that I really have a hard time seeing him fall to 30 uh, just because I think he's one of the better. I'll stop watching football if that happens. <laughs> I know. Like it's, it's crazy. He's, his tape is phenomenal and he's an undersized left tackle, but, he could slide in and be a starting left guard from day one. And um, he could be one of the better, you know, left guards in the league in the next couple of years. So um, I like him a lot. He'd be the, he'd be the ideal fit at 30. Like if he was there, you run to the podium and you don't think back and you don't look back, but 
I um, run into traffic if that happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. I mean, <laughs> um, but like another, uh, another one, another scenario is like Billy Price from Ohio State, just because I know a lot of people talk about the, the continuity he would have with, uh, with the Vikings starting center, Pat Elfline. So um, there'd be some good chemistry there. And, um, but he just tore his peck at the combine. So I don't even, I never really envisioned him in the first round anyways before the injury, but after the injury, I just, I just don't see a team doing it just because you never know even if it was a slight tear, um, those would probably be the three, the three guys I'd, I'd see them targeting in the first round. Will Hernandez too could be there. Um, he's more of a road grader. He's more of a, he's, he's definitely more athletic for his size than you'd think he is, but, um, and it'd be hard not, you know, not to go after a guy like that, but I don't see him. He's one of those guys that I see going to, you know, in the, the middle of round one. So you never know. Um, but he could definitely be an option at 30. Um, those are probably the only guys I consider in round one. Otherwise, like I said, I really would really like to see this team uh, trade back from 30 and, you know, target guys like uh, Frank Ragnow, who's super athletic. He's a Minnesota guy. Um, Austin Corbett, who I think is um, being vastly underrated in this draft class. I think he could be a guy that come in and fill in right away. And then Braden Smith is another one of those guys I think could be a, a day two, a, a day two target for the Vikings. All these guys are, you know, pretty much decently athletic guys that can move and um, work in space a little bit, which I think is definitely what they're looking for. So that'd be kind of the options I'd, I'd see for them at, uh, I'd probably pick 30 or, you know, into day two at offensive line. We've mentioned on the podcast before that Will Hernandez is first team all alleyway. (laughs) The guy I'd want to have my back. So I I could definitely see him, uh, you know, maybe going, like you said, in the middle of the first round, but if he's there for the Vikings, I think that'd be a huge hit for them, for them as well. Definitely. Another player I really like as far as the interior offensive line, I don't think he'll be, you know, a a discussion in rounds one, two, or really even three, unless it's late round three, which would be pretty ideal fit for you is is Wyatt Teller. I I was a big fan of him um, in mobile when I saw him live and everything, as far as the practices go. And uh, I I thought, you know, even though his tape is a little bit inconsistent and there's, there's things as far as, you know, he plays tight hip plays a little high, but I think as far as hand placement goes his aggressiveness and he's just strong. I mean, he had 30 reps in the bench. I really think Wyatt Teller would be a really good fit for you guys um, later in the draft. If you didn't go interior offensive line, obviously will hernandez like brad just said makes a lot of sense um have you had a chance to to take a look at teller at all and do you think he'd be a fit yeah i've seen a little bit of his tape um i think i think overall he'd be he'd be a good fit like you said as one of those uh you know um midday three or like early day three day three Mm -hmm. guys but um he's not one of those guys that expect to come in and you know be a starter right away which i think is part of the problem um is just the fact that like you couldn't go into the draft the vikings can't go into this draft and not probably and likely can't go away with, you know, come away with um, uh, a non-starter on the interior offensive line just because of who they have currently. Um, I like I like Wyatt Taylor. If you were to you know g- grab one guy early and then you wanted to grab another interior guy in the, on day three, I think he'd be a great fit there. Um, so I, th- I like that move, but I don't know if I'd see it as you know him being the first offensive lineman they take. So the last person I want to I want to mention and ask you about is Deshaun Hamilton. Our oh boy. yeah, we've had, we've had some conversations about about Deshaun Hamilton and how, you know, we think he's the best route in the class and how, you know, he's both of our, our kind of draft crush for the year. So can you just speak on, on Hamilton, you know, maybe not necessarily potential fit for the Vikings, though I could see that if they're, if they're not planning on bringing back Stephon Diggs, which I think is far-fetched, but just talk about what you think about Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I got into him probably late last year as I was watching some of the, you know, Penn State, Penn State film on Chris Godwin, he kind of flashed and uh, he's just one of those guys who was just a technician, you know, everything he does, he's so sound with it. He, um, he tested a lot better 
uh, I went, yeah, he tested a lot better than I kind of expected based off the tape. I didn't think he was slow by any means, but I didn't think he was a, you know, a high, a high four, four, low four, four, five guy. It didn't surprise me, I guess, but it was one of those, like, it was a pleasant surprise more than like a, a major surprise. So I think, um, in terms of his on-field, uh, his on-field ability and his, um, and his testing numbers, he, I expected a agility numbers to be pretty kind of where they were and everything like that. But, uh, like I said, the straight lines be a little bit better than I expected. Um, I think he gets a lot of, um, grief for, you know, some of his, uh, some of the drops, some of his hands, but I don't see it as an issue at the next level. I think he's one of those guys he could, you know, you could see him get, you know, a hundred plus targets in an NFL system. Um, just by, you know, how often he gets himself open, open. Um, he can work the outside, he can work the slot. Um, I'd be really curious and Brad, to get your opinion here too. Uh, curious where, where you see him playing at the next level. Cause I know he can play the slot and I think the slots an easy position for him because he can, you know, he can make uh, some of these nickel corners uh, kind of and linebackers and he can make any of those our safeties, anybody like that. He can kind of make them, you know, on, put them on skates, but do you, you know, you kind of see him more of like an X receiver or do you see him more in the, on the inside? I definitely think he's a slot receiver just because he almost primarily played at Penn state. Sure. And he the size. He's over six feet tall. He's over 200 pounds to, to maybe move to that to around to the outside. But I think that, if he's just kind of a natural slot and, and be able to like get open as an immediate separator, that that's probably where I would, I would project him. Uh, but yeah, he's, he, like, like I mentioned, you know, he's, he's our guy, you know, he's, he's the guy that we've been calling base on during the whole <laughs> For sure. Yeah. He's I mean, favorite player probably. Yeah. I mean, I I've been saying it for a while now. I think he's a, and his, you know, his senior, his senior bowl uh, week, you know, down in mobile and um, even his East West, shrine games and everything like that like how he performed at that I think he's really propelled himself into the into the day two into day two and I think uh you know round three is kind of where I expect him to go and I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was you know a, a top 100 pick because he's that good in my opinion I think he's going to come in and, and you know be a starting slot receiver like you said uh, from day one and he's going to be one of the better route runners on the team he can contribute right away and uh, be, he could be a wide receiver three from day one, in my opinion. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was a day two pick. Hamilton at pick 62 of the Vikings confirmed. <laughs> that would be insane. I would, you know me, I wouldn't complain about it. I, think, <laughs> I do think that the Vikings do plan on targeting a, either a move tight end or a receiver at some point you know, on day two. That's kind of why I, I would like to see them uh, trade back from their, their first pick just because um, they don't have a fourth-round pick. And I, I think the – the sweet spot of this draft is, you know, between rounds two and four, just where like the meat of the draft is. Cause you know, you don't have a top 10 pick. So, you know, you're back end around one. So why not go get an extra um, mid, mid, mid round pick and go get weapons for your new quarterback, you know, go get a guy like, I know they've, they've shown a lot of interest for Anthony, Anthony Miller. Um, Jordan Lasley has been in that conversation. Dante Pettis is another one of those guys. You know, some of those guys that are, you know, have Antonio Cowley is another one, you know, guys that have some uh, return ability as well as, you know, they can get downfield and they could potentially be a Stefan Diggs replacement or be your wide receiver three, you know, however you want to do it. Um, but just to add more weapons, weapons to this offense. And then I think, you know, they're looking at a move tight end too, which I think this, this offense really is missing next to Kyle Rudolph because they have a blocker and David Morgan, who's more of a uh, tight end three. But if, you know, for some reason, a guy like Dallas Goddard, um, Mike Isecki, um, I'm not the biggest Hayden Hurst fan just because of his, mainly because of his age and he hasn't played that much football. Um, but, and then you look at like Mark Andrews and Ian Thomas, there's, you know, basically five or six tight ends that I think they could look to target on day two as well. If they don't find that wide receiver, they like, um, go get a guy who could be Kyle Rudolph's, um, eventual replacement 
um, and be the, the move athletic tight end that you need. Just want to enlighten the listeners. They don't have their fourth round pick because they traded it for Sam. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is a tough, a tough part. It's hard and a tough pill to swallow. You trade all that draft capital to go get a Sam Bradford and hoping he's going to be there for more than two years, but ends up not working out that way. I mean, I was happy to see it as a Lions fan, but it's all right. You guys are going to take, you're going to take Hamilton with pick 62 and he's going to run circle around Tabor in the slot. So I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, that's on true. Sundays. Um, but, but as far as the running back position goes, you guys lost Jarek McKinnon. I know you got Dalvin and Latavius Murray. Do you think later, you know, obviously day three of the draft, is there a running back potentially that you would like to see them take uh, and potentially maybe take some of the, the role that Jarek McKinnon was doing as the pass catching back that he was? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think the the guy that I would really like to see them kind of look at and target would be more of a um, Ito Smith from Southern. Yes, Minnesota. yes. I think I think that guy's really good. I don't think I think he's ex- extremely underrated. Um, catch the ball is really good in the screen game. I think he's a willing blocker. Um, he he's the guy that I would love to see them you know target on day three and add as your you know your RB three you know running back by rotation you know, you know committee. It's crazy. I'm freaking out because I literally have underneath my question, <laughs> Edo Smith. So that's why I'm freaking out. It's like yeah, I have the lottery. Um, you got anything else, Brad? I do not. All right. Well, Miles, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah. Um, uh, my handle is uh, milesgorm85. Okay. And all of your work we can see on climbingthepocket.com, correct? Yeah. Correct? Yep. Um, do awesome. a lot more podcasts than I do uh, articles on it. But yeah, definitely. You can find you know, all of our work in you know, climbingthepocket.com. We're doing a lot of uh, mini mini pod series right now, kind of ranking our doing our uh, top five rankings. So those are start just started to come out this uh, today, actually, and they'll be spread out into you know between now and uh, the draft. Awesome, well, Miles, I really appreciate your time, man. Look forward to speaking uh, some trash to you during the season, like always. Um, take care, best of luck on soccer tonight, man, and uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for putting me on blast, man. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're going. All right, and that's everything for episode 57. Be sure to follow Miles and Zach on Twitter, of course. Follow Brad at BradKelly17 on Twitter. Follow me at Russ NFL Draft. Until next time, this is Cover One, the NFL Draft Podcast.